Good morning and welcome. I am Marvelous and I'm so happy to be with you this morning. And if you are joining the Grace Church online service for the first time, you are so, so specially welcomed. This morning we'll be continuing our series in the book of Philippians. And today, before I start, I would like to ask you a question. What is your purpose in this life? In this letter so far, we have seen how Jesus Christ is our joy. And that true humility means that we always think first of Jesus, then of others, before ourselves. Before we go into today's message specifically, I would like to pray. Everlasting Father, I thank you that you've given us this great opportunity. Father, open our hearts that we would receive wonderful blessings from your word. Transform us, empower us, and cause us to step out in faith and do your will. In Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning I'll be reading from Philippians chapter 2 from verse 12 to 18. And then in the end I will touch um, briefly on verse 13, I mean verse 19 to 13. So I'll be reading and uh, the word should come up on the screen. Okay. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, the word of God, so that in the day of Christ, I, Paul, may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Praise God. Our passage today comes immediately after the great Christological hymn about the humility and excellence of Jesus Christ in Philippians chapter 2 from 5 to 11. Jesus is our model and our mentor. He chose to empty himself, laying down his reputation and right in taking the very form of man. He did not choose wealth or power, but came as a bond servant, dying a criminal's death. In everything, Jesus humbles himself. Therefore, God exalted him. And Jesus placed this example of humility before us. So right after this great song that Paul plays in um, the middle of chapter 2 there, 
um, comes our passage for today. It is interesting that Philippians chapter 2 begins as a practical admonition for the church to be united in heart and mind with the humility of Christ. So it was right after this admonition that Paul goes into this song. And then right where we are now in chapter 2 from verse 12, Paul continues. This is why he starts with therefore, referring that he started off this admonition before the song and now he's right there admonishing the church to Christ-likeness, calling them to godliness. To Paul, this is always about Jesus, the word, the importance of following the person, the God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul proceeds by calling the church, um, that is the church of the, the Philippians, beloved. Beloved in the sense that he kind of shows how he felt about them. So this is the same beloved that is used by, by God when he referred to Jesus Christ. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So Paul is using the same here. Um, and, and this shows that it's coming from a heart of someone that, that truly cares, a sincere affection. Someone that is about to give what you might consider the best of advice if you um, consider the fact that Paul is writing from prison. So Paul says, beloved, and right there he begins to touch on the theme of obedience. Obedience here refers to almost the same obedience that we see of Jesus Christ in chapter 2, verse 8. Jesus was obedient even unto death and death on the cross. So obedience is a key factor and a sign that he is really our Lord. In Luke chapter 6 from verse 48, Jesus said to the disciples, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? And of course, to the people that were around at the time. Pointing out to the place of obedience that is not about saying, Lord, Lord, do we, do we truly obey? Do we see the place of obedience in purpose? Obedience also indicates that we obey the word of God. Because in indicating obedience, Paul is referencing also that the, the words I'm writing to you, this letter, obey. And of course, the letter today is the word of God that we, we are reading now. The same as Jesus pointed out, the words that I speak and you do not obey, but call me Lord, Lord. So obedience is key. Not obedience in the form of trying to please men, um, like Paul points out in Philippians 1 verse 27. Not like men please us, but obedience of one that is truly obedient, sincere from the heart, knowing that God sees our heart and no man can deceive him. So in preparing for this message, I come to realize that, that joy is not just a feeling. You know, it's not something you feel. That joy is purposeful obedience to the word of God. For this purposeful obedience brings joy. Psalm 19 verse 10 says that the word of God is more precious than gold, much more pure than gold. They are sweeter than honey. 
even honey from the honeycomb. So th this kind of just indicates to us the importance of the word of God, but that joy comes when we obey the word of God. An example would be, for instance, how it feels sometimes that, you know, we give up something that is important to us in obedience to God, maybe money, maybe your time, maybe you actually forgive someone that has truly, deeply hurt you. And in doing that, suddenly we step into this, this feeling of confidence and of peace and an embrace from the Holy Spirit, almost like a chair saying, well done you. That is joy. And it is the joy that comes from a purposeful pursuit of Christ-likeness. Purpose, pursuit, Christ-likeness. So Paul continues and kind of starts touching on how to really step into disobedience. He says, walk out your salvation with fear and trembling. And as I prepared for this and I read this verse, it kind of just took me back. You know, becoming a Christian, I was caught up in this understanding of performance, that I needed to perform for God to love me, for God to bless me. It was all about what I did, not what he's done. And therefore, I did everything. But the frustration that came with it was that I, I didn't really trust that God would love me. Because when I looked at myself and my day-to-day -day activities and continuous mistakes, I felt like I can never get it right. I can't remember how many times I was praying and I said, Oh God, do not delete my name from the book of life. That was a time of fear and frustration as a Christian. But praise be to God, when I came to understand the message in Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 8 to 9, the Bible says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not for, from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no man can boast. There is no boasting about what God has done here. So Paul is clearly not talking here about you being the one to get yourself saved from your own actions. But Paul is pointing to something beyond that. That now that you are saved, work it out. Praise God. And, and, and this is even a lot more clearer if we look at the following message that says, For it is God that is working in you both to will and to act. So the call here basically is this. Now that you've come to Christ, now that you are saved, work out what God is working in you and what God has already worked in you. Praise God. And this is a call to godliness, to Christ-likeness. What else is purpose if this is not your purpose? So Paul makes very clear here the responsibility of humanity in salvation, the involvement of humanity and God in working out our ministry, our calling, our involvement. So he says like, and Peter confirms this in 2 Peter 1 verse 10, Peter says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. So it's not like I'm saved and that's it. 
that you need to confirm to yourself every day. Step into that joy of realizing that you can do those things, that you can actually live a life of godliness, the joy that comes with it, the purposeful pursuit of Christ. Step into it, walk it out, prove it to yourself. Praise God. So we are definitely saved for more. And I was caught, as I was caught up in this sense of working things out myself, I lived in condemnation. And I thank God for the word that says there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 verse 1. For it is this condemnation that draws you away from God. It's impossible to begin to work out the things God has done in your life if you are still caught up in uncertainty outside grace. So as you appreciate and embrace the grace of God, you can step into really beginning to be grateful for what Jesus has done. Realizing that he did for us what no man could ever do for themselves. And in this gratefulness, we respond. And what is our response? Our response is making that conscious effort on a day-by-day basis to be godly. That to step into Christ-likeness. To become true disciples. To follow Jesus, our mentor and our example. And this is our gift, our response back to God. This is our thank you. Walk out your salvation. Bring forth your gratefulness. Say thank you. Praise God. Praise the Lord. So we are saved for more. We are saved so that not just that we can go to heaven. You know, that we are not just saved to go to heaven. We are saved so that we can become the light of the world. For to be saved is the downing of God's kingdom into your life. To empower you for ministry. To empower you for purpose. Praise God. There is a lot more. There is ministry to be done here. We are saved to bring about the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And this could look like some basic simple things in reality. that, That we love more sincerely. That we put others first. That we step out in faith. That we forgive. That we are selfless. That we build the community of God. Praise the Lord. To live out our calling... And in building the kingdom of God, then we can shine, as Paul said, to shine like stars in this world. In pursuing godliness, in pursuing Christ-likeness, that in itself, every time we step out, we shine. Every time we attempt, even if we fall, as we continue to push forward, we shine. Praise the Lord. And this is not just the shining that we can do it in another way. For it is like walking out. You are either shining or you are not shining. So the way Paul puts it, he puts it right close to is you are shining or you are caught up in the corrupt world. So it's like not going to, not, not walking out, not doing any exercise. The opposite happens. So it's the same here. There is no neutral ground. We are called to shine. In shining, we avoid the decay that is in the world. Praise God. And how do we do this? Paul says with fear and trembling. So the fear and trembling here is not that of, 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 of being afraid and, and being so scared. No, no, that's not what Paul is talking about. It is, it is the fear and trembling that comes from the wisdom of who God is. Understanding how God Almighty, the creator of the universe, will step down to reach out and draw us to himself. Not just to save us and say, we're there, but saving us and say, now come along with me. We've got things to do. The gratefulness, the awe knowledgeing, the awe of knowing who God is and stepping out in reverence, in reverence to him. 
That is the fear and trembling here. One that allows us to place importance on the things of God, to place importance on the calling of God in our life, to define our purpose in pursuit of Christ. That is the fear and trembling. He's saying that there is eternity at stake here. There is eternity at stake here. You are being called to walk out eternity, things that are beyond just this world with God. Praise God. I quite like how Paul puts it, for he says it is God that is actually working this out. So we are not just being called to do this on our own. You know, for instance, what a joy to realize that I'm being asked to work out my salvation, but that God has already gone before me. Verse 13 says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He begins and finishes. Philippians 1 verse 6 points it out in that. It says, I am sure of this. You can be confident about this, that the God who began a good work, this good work in you, would bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It's an eternity working out here. So God is excited to involve us in godliness. And there's no place in the Bible that describes all this and captures it all. Like 2 Peter 1 verse 3 to 11. His divine power has given us everything that we need for a godly life through the knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, his word, so that through them, get this now, through them, we may participate in the divine nature. Wow, wow. Having escaped the corruption in the world, caused by evil desires. We can escape this corruption. We can participate in the divine nature, in godliness. We can achieve Christ-likeness. What a purpose to have. And in all this, Paul said, how do you go about it? He said, do all of this without grumbling and disputing. Verse, chapter 2, verse 14 to 16. This theme of Christ-likeness, and Paul would be like, when people say, how? How do I do the day-to-day? If you were to break it down to the nitty-gritty, Paul, what is it? And he says, do all things without grumbling and disputing. It's like the, the very mitochondria, the very powerhouse of the cell here, without grumbling and disputing. So right after the great Christological hymn, right after the paradox of the sovereignty of God and the free will of man, comes the admonition to Christ-like living, to do all things without grumbling and disputing. This is Paul touching right at the heart of community. For we can build community if we live in this way. The Grace Church vision says to build a thriving community that reaches Nottingham with the gospel and replicates this across the UK. It's going it's gonna to be a people of godliness. It's going to be a people that at the heart of it does the things of God without grumbling, without disputing. It's going to be a community that is thriving. Praise God. Because when we grumble or dispute, it's almost like saying, I know better. I can do better. I am better. It's pride. And as we know, God will resist the proud. 
But the humble, he draws to himself. He calls them and says to them, walk out your salvation. I am walking it in you. I am walking it with you. Walk it out in Jesus' name. Amen. So how have you been shining the light of God's kingdom? Especially in these difficult times when we have better opportunities like never before to show the fruits of the Holy Spirit that are in us. The peace, the kindness, the love, the courage. The opportunities to shine are numerous. Praise God. How is our home group commitments, especially now where it is so difficult and maybe even easier to stop being involved at all? Because quite to be frank, it's not easy for the home group leaders, it's not easy for anyone. But with a sense of commitment to our calling and purpose, to work out, to consider others better than ourselves, to consider to sacrifice and lay down our time for the things of God, we begin to go down to understanding the place of community, home groups, friendships in the kingdom of God, and placing a priority on it. Understanding and seeing it from the sense that I am going here because God has put something in me for them, not because they, I need to go get something from them. As we begin to humble ourselves and see things from this angle, we begin to build a community devoid of grumbling and disputing. Hallelujah. So shining here like stars basically implies stepping into godliness to escape this corruption in the world by holding on to the promises of God. So Paul kind of summarizes his own example in this way. You know, how is he being humble? How is he working out his salvation without grumbling? How is he being obedient? Paul says from verse 17 to 18, even now, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I rejoice. What a man. To be caught up in the very vision of how God has empowered us. So Paul here is calling us to a life of pouring out, not just in the sense of dying, but pouring out our time, pouring out our resources, pouring out the things that we place importance on, understanding that there is eternity involved in the activities of Christ-likeness. There is eternity involved in the pursuit of Christ-likeness. For the things that we do now, Paul concludes by saying that even in the day of Jesus Christ, he would have no regret because this pouring out is eternal in value. So what more could we pour out today? As you reflect, what more could you give? What more could you share? What more could you do? How could you step more in faith to pour out in reverence for God, for the kingdom? Hallelujah. So Paul goes on in verse 19 and 30 to now give us practical examples of Timothy and Epaphroditus. And as I looked at these examples, I thought to myself that I have to just find something that, you know, relates to today. And I was looking for very big things, someone that maybe went to Nottingham and preached and everybody repented, someone that maybe uh, went to, um, to, to holiday or went to Spain or somewhere and, and, you know, there was a massive miracle, massive revival, 
and as I thought of that, the Holy Spirit kind of humbled me to show me the little things that matters. Because as I prepared for this message, I was encouraged by a lot of people. The Ritidba was part of the, the meeting we had like from 8 o'clock to 9.30, introducing this series and talking about his own understanding. He was there at that time and at this age, making that sacrifice. John Porter took the time to send me materials in preparation for this message. Roger drove all the way to my house and I wasn't there, even though I asked him to come there. He came to meet me at my friend's place to talk me through how to use the camera, how to do the recording and spend some time asking me how I was doing. What a blessing. And my home group member, Candida, who took the time to study and send me materials and called me to encourage me in preparation for this message. Those are the little things that change a lot. They have eternal value. Or, of course, my wife, whom God used to show me that I was complaining and grumbling about recording this preach. In fact, she was so gracious, she said, Will you stop grumbling and get on with it? And I did. And praise God, I did. So true joy comes when we learn to think and act like Jesus. We have seen that in pursuing Christ-likeness, true service to others, we can live in a way that truly stands out. We can have a purposeful life that is full of joy. Praise God and thank you for listening. God bless you so richly. Amen.